Hello, and welcome to Pressing Matters, a fly-on-the-wall-style podcast about WordPress, business, and life. Your hosts are Ian. Hello. And Jack. Hello. Ian's a plug-in author and works for Delicious Brains, and Jack runs better notifications for WP and his web design agency. Let's get on with the show. This episode is sponsored by Fastspring, the full-service e-commerce solution that enables software companies to sell more, stay lean, and compete big. Find out more on fastspring.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of Pressing Matters. Good morning, Jack. How's things with you? Good morning. Yeah, I'm all right, thank you. Yeah, um, I've had a bit of a week. I've had I've been a week without my laptop this week. Um, I think Whoa. it's possibly yeah. I think it's the longest I've ever been without like a, a computer that I I readily use every day. You know, so I've always had like a desktop or, the, or a laptop or whatever. Um, but I had to resort to using a Raspberry Pi for just getting by with a desktop environment for the last week, which I'll come on to in a minute. <laughs> and uh, and uh, but it's not it's not got any of my stuff on it. You know, you have to like you basically like living out of a web browser. So not having, I mean, I had my files on hand. I had like a portable SSD kind of attached and stuff, and that was all fine. But I didn't actually need to touch my files for a week, which was fine. But it it was just not having, like, you know, your computer is like almost an extension of you. It's got your desktop wallpaper. It's got your apps. It's got your shortcuts, your, you know, whatever it is that you've, you've got to make it yours and personalize it. And I didn't have any of that. And I don't think I've had that, I don't know, since I was in my teens, probably, or even younger. You know, when I had a computer from, I must have been about the age of 11 or 12, I think, in my room. So... I, it it was a, it was weird. I did feel a bit disconnected, um, both in a good and a bad way, but mostly in a bad way, to be honest. Um, yeah. But yeah, using a Raspberry Pi that was an interesting experience. Um, so, it sounds them. it sounds torturous. Like, why did you do it to yourself? Like, surely that's. I know, I know. I think, and I've got a Mac Mini as well, but it it runs like all kinds of things like in my house all the time, and I'm constantly like tinkering with it, and I didn't want to start installing stuff onto it it's pretty lean it's, it. it's about as, yeah it's pretty it's about as clean as it can get really so um i didn't really want to do that but yeah using a pi i've got the raspberry pi 4b uh the four gigabyte model which came out last year they just bought out an eight gigabyte model like a couple of weeks ago a couple of months ago um which is really quick for a pi but i found that it was really slow even when doing like um just web browsing. I, I had like five tabs open and like uh, it was just getting too hot. I kept getting temperature warnings. Um, oh, I had to buy a case for it with with active and passive cooling and then sort of configure the fan on that. And I found that I spent a lot more time fiddling with the Pi to get it working, not exactly as I wanted, but even just working properly mm. than I was actually working. But I basically managed to stay on top of sport, stay on top of email, um do a few client things you know you in like the wp admins and stuff like that and that was about it for the whole week i did a lot of planning thinking i'd like to say i did some reading and stuff as well but i didn't um <laughs> and uh yeah it was just it was an experience it and i and i i do definitely know my way around linux a little bit more i mean i thought i was all right with it anyway but i, I definitely know more now than i did yeah. when i started so um so yeah luckily turnaround time for my laptop was a was exactly a week um it was basically the underside of my my laptop was swollen so it wouldn't fit on it it wouldn't sit on its four feet so um and i, I noticed that part first and then i noticed like some of the keys like towards the bottom left by the trackpad weren't working and i was when they were working but they weren't quite as like almost as clicky as like the ones and so like the top right and I, I looked up like um the iFixit guide for my MacBook and it that's basically where the batteries were with the swollen part was where the batteries were and I was like oh dear that doesn't sound good um so anyway I phoned Apple they said there were no appointments because they had just opened you know after lockdown and anyway I, I basically just checked like a couple of times that day and then the next morning I checked and they must have had a cancellation or something because they had one a few uh, an appointment a few days later I was able to book that uh book it in they took it they they thought that was exactly the problem as well it one of the two batteries had swollen um and they replaced the 
both batteries and the keyboard assembly as well because it's like all one piece apparently yeah but they didn't have to touch any of my data or anything else the logic board or anything like that so that was good so basically it meant i could get home plug it in and just get going again which was, was great that, was that covered under apple care or was it do you have to pay for that no, it would have cost two hundred pounds, um, but I I bought Apple Care the three year like the extended one, which I've done with all my machines, and actually they, it's worked out pretty well for all my machines in some way or another. Um, so yeah, I think I paid two hundred pounds for it, so it just paid for itself, which is yeah. quite nice. And it runs out I think in about October November sort of time. So oh sweet, oh that's good. So and you've got new batteries that obviously extend the life then of that in terms of not not being so quick to be needed to be serviced or replaced or whatnot you've just got fresh fresh ones yes and i didn't notice how well it the, the lid wasn't closing properly so i closed the lid the other day and i was like oh that's nice that's different <laughs> and <laughs> that the keys actually feel nice as well yeah nice. exactly so yeah so that's no, good i'm so i'm delighted yeah um raspberry pi lot, lots of good uses um but yeah, just not for a desktop replacement. Not sounded yet. like perhaps a holiday, a week off might have been less stressful. I think it might well have been, yeah, which is a shame, really. But um, I did it did in, like force me to um, investigate Linux as a, a like a proper like if you built a desktop or something like use Linux properly, and I can do everything I want to do except for when it comes to the Apple apps. Mm. So things like. Um, calendar on iCloud um, the photos app which I use all the time um, you know messages FaceTime things like that there just no are that there, there aren't any Linux replacements or there aren't any easy Linux replacements for any of them and I think that's that's the problem I would run up against so I it, it's really fascinating what's out there and how far Linux has come as an operating system and I'm probably like we're probably talking to people or people are listening right now that are like well I've been a Linux user for years you're talking absolute rubbish and I probably am but from my perspective what what I've seen you know of Linux was quite old and you know now what I've seen is available now just you've just really really impressive so yeah, yeah but unfortunately yeah now that because I, I use Apple products and I use them all fairly exclusively then um, in my house uh, bar the Raspberry Pis then it, it does kind of make it a bit tricky which is kind of frustrating but at the same time I'm really happy with the way that they work anyway so well this is it uh, I'm so entrenched in the Apple system and, and not just because like from a fanboy perspective because I'm not really that but it's just a case of the MacBook just works I don't need to worry about like you know coming from when you know Windows laptops were something I used and you'd have so many issues with them the MacBook just it, it is completely different from that the apps just work you've got your workflows you've got your current that you know that the things that you use all the time and you don't need to worry about finding something that's an alternative or like I can't be doing with the kind of having to root around to find something that, on Linux that would work and I think this it probably dates back to when I first got the iPhone. I was previously using like a Windows phone that had a little mm -hmm. um, stylus. And I remember having going through a phase of like updating the ROM and flashing the ROMs with a new kind of operating system for the Windows phone and making it better and tinkering. And, and then I got the iPhone and it just worked and just made life easier. And I couldn't be bothered to think about like there was no point jailbreaking it. There was no point making it better because it was already it already just worked. And the same with the MacBook. I don't think I'd ever like go back to anything else now. Um, and it is just pure laziness because it just works fine. So anyway, Jack, what's what's been going on with you this week since we last spoke? Um, yeah, um, it, week's been good. Um, other than the laptop, I've had a kind of a week of repairing stuff around the house and stuff like that, uh, which has been fun. Lots of little things that needed to be fixed, so that's uh, they're good. Um, I've been working again on my new WordPress plugin, uh, which actually I'll probably explain a little bit about it now. Um, but basically I came up with a name for it yesterday um, and I've started putting together the website and um, that'll be, I've been putting that off really. I've been, I enjoyed doing the plugin so much that I've been procrastinating about the website, but I know I'm, I'm going to get into it now that I've kind of got everything kind of set up and everything. And to be honest, I'm so pleased to be working back on my MacBook again. I just want to get stuck into anything. <laughs> so, um, so yeah. Um, yeah. So my new plugin is my current plugin is called better notifications for WP. 
and it's it's about replacing and extending the WordPress notification email notification system. So you've got, um, and I know I've explained this before, and some people would have used this already, um, but you've got you know emails that go out from WordPress at various times. They're not easy to edit. BNFW better notifications allows you to do that to 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 basically override them change them, edit them, do whatever you want to do to them, send them to people, send them to different people, send them to whole groups of people like in a user role, that kind of thing. Um, but it's all admin driven. So the admin has to create an override, uh, you know, create a new version of that notification. Um, and then that will get, you know, will override that notification and then go out to the people that they set it to. Um, and I, I have a number. I sell a number of add-ons for that that extend it in various ways. Um, and one of them is like say the subscriptions add-on that allows you as a user to see a front-end form to subscribe or unsubscribe. And you can go into your like your profile in the WP admin as well and kind of see the same subscription form there, which is good. Um, you know, admins can choose the default status, opt people in or opt people out. You know, when they're registered. Um, they can choose for certain notifications to be hidden from the subscriptions thing. So anything transactional, you don't necessarily want them to unsubscribe from, but you do want them to be able to receive those notifications, that kind of thing. But the problem with that is that um, I've had a lot of requests over the years for saying, well, can, how can I unsubscribe myself from an email? Or how can I, um, you know, to make it more like GDPR friendly, like one click unsubscribe and being able to unsubscribe from all notifications from a link, that kind of thing. Um, and also to get notifications about things that the user wants rather than the thing that the admin wants the user to see. Um, and this is the whole basis of my new plugin. So um, it's a, it's a, where, where BNFW is the admin centric side of notifications, um, user notifications for WP will be, or user notifications WP, will be the user driven aspect of notifications. So if you as a user want to know about new posts that are published on a website or are updated, or you only want to know what uh, publish, uh, posts are published in a certain category, or even, you know, say you've got the movies custom post type. I want to know when new movies that you know feature I don't know Tom Hanks are published or updated then set up a notification for me and then send send me that and then with unsubscription uh, built into each email so you can just click on the unsubscribe link um, and it's got that whole process so it's you know you, you do all those things you set up a notification for yourself um, you create it you have to verify it um, the admin can see a nice table view in the um, in the WordPress admin uh, and, and just see like when a user subscribed, when they um, were activated, uh, their subscription, um, when they unsubscribe, they're, it's completely removed, you know, so the admin can't kind of resubscribe people in bulk or anything like that. Um, and you just get emails. So whenever some one of these things get published, you get an email about it. And then um, and the admin will be able to customize the email um, formatting and all that sort of thing as well. So yeah. So that's what I've been working on, and it's it's done. I've been trying to make it as GDPR friendly as possible. Um, I've been trying to make it as bug free and user friendly as possible, and uh, also make it work with Gutenberg, WPCLI, um, you know, the REST API, and the Classic Editor, and and it all works. It's all completely done. I, I'm happy with it as a version one, um, and I'm just building the website for it now. So. Um, yeah, it's good. And, and funnily enough, I've had, since I've been building it, a number of people get in touch saying, oh, I'd like to do this. And I was like, oh, well, BNFW won't help you, but this new plugin I, I'm kind of making does exactly what you want. Nice. So, um, You've so, validated yeah, so I kind the of, idea even more over time. Exactly, yeah. And I, I literally replied to a chap this morning who emailed me um, and said, uh, you know, you mentioned this new plugin. Is it ready yet? You know, I, I'd like to buy it. I've got a website that it'd be perfect for in like two weeks. So I've already got like, some customers, customers to sell to, Brilliant. which is awesome. So it's yeah, good to, it's good to hear more about it because I, you know, you, we'd spoken about it a little bit, and I knew BNFW and kind of how that worked, but wasn't quite sure the difference. And you know, they're both doing different things, and I'm interested. What's the in your in the new plugin? If a user wants to say subscribe to new posts that are published in category X, um, is that is that workflow, is that in the front end of the site or do they have to do that 
in the back end? Like, do they need access to the admin? Yeah, no, it's a front end form, um, and it all uses Ajax. So as soon as you select a post type, it will um, go over and uh, go away and get the taxonomies for that as well. So you can select those, and it all uses select two as well. So you can click on, you know, the uh, the Multiple select kind. box, yeah, and select um, say Tom Hanks, and then that'll appear as a tag within the select two box. And then you can, so you can select multiple ones and anything. Yeah. Um, and it will select as many tax it show you as many taxonomies as there are available and everything and it all gets saved and processed and everything it, I've never used Ajax before so that was good fun to do um, never done anything with you know Gutenberg or REST API or WPCLI or anything like that before as well so um, getting all that to work was was good as well um, yeah it's it no it all, it all works and admins can create you know users in the in the back end as well and even you know verify them if they really wanted to um but obviously the the main focus yeah. of it is that the users create their own notifications for things awesome that does sound good yeah so have you started the website or are you just about to start it like how, i was wondering how far off you think it would be um yeah literally about to start it i was just kind of since i get my macbook back i've been um sort of fiddling with all sorts of things and getting it kind of getting caught up on everything but yeah i started it essentially this morning and um i'm really looking forward to getting stuck into it. i was thinking about like i woke up this morning and like the first thing that popped up in my head is like what are my logos gonna what's my logo gonna look like you know what what kind of design style do i want you know what colors will i have you know and i like all of that and i'm used to doing all that sort of thing for clients but i think that's going to be a tricky hurdle but i think what i'm going to do first is literally just build the website like you know, put, install all the plugins. Um, you know, create the pages. To essentially, just build and write everything that needs to be done, and style it all afterwards. Because it's better to you know um, design a website around content. So um, once I know that everything is working, then I'll I'll do that. But I need to go through you know and do things like set up a Stripe account and populate the Twitter account and all that sort of thing. I registered the domain yesterday, so yeah. So yeah. there's there's loads of little tasks that I'll probably forget about that I need to kind of set up and do. So. Yeah. Mm. Actually, talking about the Stripe and stuff, I presume you're going to use PayPal as well for people to buy with. No. You're not. Oh, no, you're yeah. anti-PayPal, aren't you? You're you're not a PayPal person. <laughs> yeah, call me bitter, but I used PayPal for years. And then, yeah, they, they closed my account. Um, and I made a video about it on my YouTube channel. Um, yeah, and that was a few years talk, ago. But honestly, I've only had... I. I couldn't say exactly, but I, definitely less than five people say, "Do you take PayPal?" Mm. Uh, in their time, and I know there's a there's a huge portion probably of people behind that that don't ever ask, but at the same time, I haven't missed it at all. No. It's so much easier not to deal with it. it I can't tell you that how simplified the overhead is. Yeah, my issue with PayPal is just a case of like if you're using the same PayPal account on different sites using mm. EDD, for example, to you you generally would set up. Um, the PayPal IPN, yeah, to allow webhooks to to allow the kind of recurring stuff, but yeah. with the one the one account, it becomes troublesome because you can only have one PayPal IPN yeah. URL. So yeah, anyway, I need to figure that out at some point. I think you can get a, a PayPal IPN router type plugin that sends it off to different people, different uh, websites. As but soon anyway. as you started talking about the one account, I thought he's going to talk about IPN. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a nightmare because Stripe has it down where you can add multiple webhooks, multiple, you know, and it, they, they know that people use, have different sites or different places where their Stripe account would be used. Um, mm. But then again, it's super easy to set up a new Stripe account underneath the one, like, your main company whereas paypal make it very hard to have multiple paypal accounts for the same company even though you might be using kind of different distinct web properties or you know businesses or websites or you know so yeah more of the story is paypal is not very flexible and nice um no it's stream it strikes me as odd though because you know paypal really wanted to be like the payment processor for the web i think originally but mm. They've they've made no effort to like help developers outside of basically being able to pay with uh, you know uh, PayPal for your eBay purchases. So yeah. I'm really confused as to why why that's um, that's the case really. But yeah, I guess at, at scale, 
the scale they're at, they don't need to make it any easier. It just it it works for them, and you know, yeah, it's fine. Um, yeah, true, yeah. true. Yeah, it's good to hear well, the new new plugins going well. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, no, I'm really pleased. I'd love to tell you all about it more soon, and and kind of show you and everything. So um, yeah, it's very exciting. I, I appreciate it. it. Was probably a bit of a ramble. As you can tell, because I haven't written my website docs yet or recorded the video for it, it means that I haven't quite worked out in my head how to actually explain it mm, in a it. more yeah. succinct way. Yeah, so um, yeah, apologies if it sounds a bit random. Definitely write the docs first to before you do the marketing site because oh, as yeah. soon as you as soon as you explain it in p- simple terms with like images of where to go, what to do, why would you do this, then it kind of crystallizes what actually it is and what benefit you're getting from it, then it makes it easier to write the marketing stuff. Yeah, that's true, yeah. And before I forget, actually, I have got a proper roadmap with version 2 and 3 all basically planned out already, which nice. is cool. I just, there's so, I mean, you know, you just want to add all these things. I mean, I, I'm always gobsmacked when I see plugins that are, like, so feature-rich when they're launched. And I'm like, blimey, that must have taken ages. <clears throat> but I... I, I it has taken me ages to do this bit, you know, for various reasons. But there's so many other features that I know people won't buy it. They won't buy it until this feature is in there. But I'm not, I'm not ready to add them yet. It's mm. it has to start somewhere, and for me, this is where it starts. So you know, plus yeah. it will be cheaper right now, and then you know, you add more features, and then the price will eventually go up a bit. It's just how yeah, that's how it worked with BNFW, and it worked really well that way. So, yeah. um, you know, when, but, once you get to version two and version three, it might be, you know, 20, 30 pounds, dollars more expensive. So, and, and you don't know which features are going to be the ones that that people say, oh, I would only get it if it had this. And then at least once you've got that, that channel of user feedback saying, or potential customer feedback saying, I wish it had this, then you could prioritize the development at the moment you end up guess second guessing and if as you say if you didn't stop it now and release version one you could go down a rabbit hole of development of loads of features that you think are what's needed but unless you've Mm. got customers telling you there's no point like cut it at version one get it out like you're doing yeah yeah absolutely yeah no it's it's good i mean there is there is something very much in kind of doing something just for yourself if you just fancied it. Um, I watched a thing the other day about this guy who's been broadcasting his own radio show for like 30 or 40 years. And because of like, you know, how much you can actually do with broadcast and using airwaves and stuff, it meant that it was basically him going to the end of his garden and broadcasting a little radio show from his shed just for his wife, basically, like every day. (laughs) And um, they actually let him on uh, the BBC to do a, like, a little live section of his radio show, but, like, you know, for the nation kind of thing. I think it was on um, shedworking.co.uk, which is... Because I've been featured on this website because I've been, because of my Garden Office build series that I've been doing on YouTube. Mm. And um, I think it was on there, but it was really good. But, you know, he, he just loved it. He had all the equipment and had, you know, soundboards. And so, you know, pressed a button and a sound came out, you know, and all that. Everything you could really have to have, like, an amateur radio station. And it was, you listen to, like, him from back in, like, the 70s. And they got footage from when they did a thing about him years ago that's still in black and white and all that sort of stuff. And it's really good. And he just satisfied himself kind of doing it, or at least that's kind of as it appeared from the story. And I think there really is something about just doing something for yourself. If you just really enjoy building something, then just, you know, just go for it. You know, it's, it's. I suppose for some people, some people play games, some people play board games, some people read, you know, some people play computer games, you know, and that's something you enjoy doing in your spare time. It doesn't necessarily do anything other than you'll get a bit better at that game. So I suppose you could consider PHP the same thing. You know, you, if you if you enjoy doing it and you're just building something for yourself, whatever it may be then um you know fill fill your boots you know you're gonna if you enjoy yourself you'll just get better at php i guess or get better at wordpress or something but um yeah but at some point if you actually want to release it you do have to make a website and sell it jack <laughs> yeah no i know what you mean and you just it is a hobby isn't it development as well as the fact that we try and make a living out of it so 
it's that yeah. it's skirting that balance. Yes. Yes, absolutely. So yeah. So anyway, how how the longest intro ever? How how are you? How was your week been? We're changing our format up a bit. Yeah, no, it's been good. It's been a pretty solid week of work, really. I've kind of got a few add-ons in development for WP User Manager and trying to work here and there on other bits as well as you know the usual client work. But yeah, no, it's it's I, I feel pretty productive at the moment. I I think actually I'm going to attribute that to um, maybe two weeks. Two, well, no, not necessarily the weather, but two weeks ago I took Twitter and Instagram off my phone. Um, okay. Because I, f- I felt like I was getting into a bit of a um, a cycle of like doom scrolling in Twitter with the current situation and getting pretty stressed mm. about. Um, I think it coincided with, like obviously I live in the south of England, Bournemouth is the closest town, and obviously Bournemouth was in the news recently because you know, hundreds of thousands of people flock to the beaches for the the hot weather that we'd been having because yeah. lockdown had been eased and of course nobody's really going yet on, on hot holidays abroad. So, you know, let's just go let's travel the whole country to, to get to the sandy beaches of the south coast and um it it was a bit stressful as a resident. Not not that we were directly touched by it, but we obviously stayed at home. But just seeing the like pictures and the issues that we heard from local people and then seeing the re- reactions from our local politicians like just basically exclaiming on Twitter about how bad this is and like almost almost a very English version of Donald Trump just saying this must stop now like in almost capitals and it's like mm. okay but you are the local MPs you are also conservative MPs it is your government that are putting these you know, plans in place that are allowing people to do things. So anyway, and and to, I'm going to stop myself from going down that sort of <laughs> rabbit hole. But seeing yeah. all that stuff on Twitter just made me think, right, I need to get out of it. I need to not see, have it accessible on my phone and I need to use Twitter only for work, you know, replying to support requests or people talking about the plugins. Um, and so that's made, I think, made my life a little bit clearer and just made me concentrate on work and family stuff. So yeah, it's been couple of couple of weeks of a bit more productive and a bit more feeling better about things in the world just because i'm just not exposed to it all the time um mm. so yeah they're good um add-ons are in the works um still tinkering on the app that i've been talking about which connects to what you're saying about you know if it's a hobby you're doing it and you enjoy doing it um, yeah what else oh yeah i wanted to ask you a question actually because i was doing a bit of plug-in support this morning before we came on the podcast um, hmm. about like well actually first things first do you do the support yourself for the pl- plugin because I know BNFW you say you've got a developer but do you do support and like deal with customer issues with a plugin I do yeah you do it's all me all support me so the the, the thing that I'm c- um, coming across with WP user manager is that because of the nature of the plugin like it touches emails it touches user registration user login and front end stuff and admin stuff there seems to be always the risk that it will either not work because of another plugin has incompatibilities with it or does something or overwrites something or it will stop other plugins working because i don't know people just seem to want to use like multiple registration plugins all on the same you know site or mm-hmm. i don't know there's always a bit of an overlap in functionality between plugins people are using mm-hmm. um and side note, do you ever just log into a client site and just, or a customer site and just go, holy moly, their left-hand menu um, sidebar is horrendous. Like the, bit, the most amount of plugins they've got installed and not just a large amount of plugins, but a huge amount of plugins that feel it's necessary to add a top-level menu item mm. to the sidebar. Mm. And you're just like, holy crap, I can't find my way around this. This is ridiculous. But anyway, yeah, like, how do you approach, and and also you, I'm asking in a general sense, in case any listeners are, are actually plug-in developers and offer support, like, how do you, how does one deal with, um, like, the support? Do, you know, is it a case of um, a customer comes in and says, look, this isn't really working, is it, I don't think the plug-in's working, 
and you maybe identify that it's an incompatibility with another plugin, do you just say, look, it doesn't work? Or do you dive in? Like, do you go as far as logging into the admin, trying to understand it? Like, because sometimes I do that. Sometimes I'm like, right, give me FTP access. I will just try and do some debugging. I'll try and fix it or I'll try and find it, the issue and fix it if it's my issue. Like, how do you approach it? Yeah. Um, so firstly, before I jump into that, can I just say that the two plugins, plugin types that I see duplicated on clients' websites all the time, I say all the time, if I'm coming to a site that's already been built, then yeah. this will be the case, is forms, always, and slideshows. Hmm. Don't know why, slider plugins. Anyway, moving on. Um, yeah, the... I... I I try and do as much support as I can without logging into a client's site. So when I, uh, sorry, a customer's site. So when I, well, they say I've got a problem, I'll ask for screenshots. If they can record a video, then that's great. Um, it might be a problem that's specific to their, you know, even their machine or their location or something, which is causing a problem, you know, like server proximity, things like that can be an issue sometimes. When it comes to like BNFW, if your server's underpowered and it's trying to send out hundreds of notifications, then that could be a problem. So they'd be able to see that, you know, they know what that looks like, that situation where you won't know what that looks like because it's the first time you would have logged into a website, that kind of thing. So I try and get it from like the customer's perspective at all times. And often, more often than not, I can solve an issue either just by, you know, um, how they've explained something. If not, we'll go to screenshots. And if not, I'll ask to record a video. If they want me to log into their website, unless they're a customer that's usually paid quite a lot of money, you know, for like add-ons or a big add-on bundle or something like that, then I'll offer my services to log in. Um, but I charge £99 to look at that. So I actually have a paid service where I can log in, look at the website and try and debug it oh, for right. them. But okay. I will make sure that they, you know, there's little T's and C's on there as well. Um, and it's not heavily linked to because it's not something I really want to advertise because essentially I'm selling my time um, at a good rate, um, usually, but um, depending on how long it takes to debug the problem. But, you know, I, I've only got a finite amount of time, so I don't want to kind of sell it all off if I have other things to do as well because there's mm. no kind of integration with a calendar or something else, you know, with, with my existing client work. So um, outside of the plugin. So yeah, so I do, I do do that if I have to, um, but I make sure that they understand that it's, you know, this is what I'll be doing. I will be deactivating plugins and themes and changing this and deleting that and doing the, you know, just kind of trying everything that I can think of to kind of get it working. Um, and sometimes that works really well for them because actually they haven't got the time to do it, uh, to sort of faff around and go through like this document that I've got that goes through point by point, this is what you need to do to troubleshoot why this isn't happening and it's specifically designed for bnfw and obviously we're, we're looking at emails email deliver delivery that kind of stuff you know um conflicts it's sending out the default notification as well as you know the bnfw notification why is that happening that kind of thing um so you know it's not it's not a one-size-fits-all for every plugin i think however you can write your own pretty quickly i think and that document has been invaluable um, whenever someone has a problem and I think it's a plug-in conflict, I will send that document off to them and they can usually work it out themselves if they follow it from top to bottom. If they don't, sometimes they've encountered a bug, sometimes uh, they haven't quite done it right. Sometimes they say, oh, I can't deactivate plugins, it's a live site. And I'm like, well, I can't. you know, there's mm -hmm. not a lot I can do to help in that situation because the things that I'm going to suggest to help boil down the issue are going to be things like deactivating plugins. You know, you've yeah. got better notifications and you've got the user registration emails set up in there so you're trying to override those but then you've got like you say say you know if there was a conflict between mine and your plugins Ian then you know you'll have the user registration that'll fire off an email if your email has a higher priority than my email or it hasn't been written I'm not saying that you haven't written it properly but you know you wouldn't be you, yeah. you probably wouldn't be surprised at the amount of plugins that aren't written very well or aren't written to work well with others then you know that might be a completely custom function that overrides that. It might be given a ridiculous priority, um, you know, and so it's going to override BNFW every time. That kind of thing. And without deactivating that plugin, you'll never know if that was the issue or not, you know. And yeah, yeah. So, so I tend to what, just go through like that. What do you do? Say, say you say to the uh, customer, look, 
I can dig in, I can log in, but it's going to be, you know, the 99 quid an hour type thing or whatever. What do you do then if it is a it is a bug in your plugin that's causing that issue? Like, do you refund the money? Do you know what I mean? And fix the bug? Or is it a case of it still paid for your time to investigate it? If someone says, um, well, I can't wait, I'll say, look, I'm going to prioritize. If someone's paid for it, I'll try and prioritize, you know, fixing that bug as fast as I possibly can. What if I can do it? Then a great. If my I have to wait for my developer to do it instead, I'll wait for them to do it. Um, and it might be that they've got some a task that I've already given them, so they're working on that. So it kind of depends on how long it takes to even get started, and then it takes you know however long it takes to recreate the bug if it's if I can recreate it. And I usually do try and recreate it before I even send it over to the developer because it might not be. That is easily easy to replicate, uh, but then it depends how long to actually fix that bug if we can replicate it as well. So if a customer said to me, "Well, I can't wait," I don't know, a week, two weeks, whatever. You know, I've just been without my laptop for a week, so it's been difficult to kind of, you know, do a huge amount of, um, you know, uh, getting everything. You know, because just because my workflow hasn't been there, then you know, the fixing of things has taken. A week longer than it normally would and if someone said i can't wait a week two weeks or week whatever um can i have a refund then yes they can of course they can um i, but, I meant more uh, like the you know the cost of your your extra support cost the charge for your time to investigate oh i see well like, i mean it's you essentially know, it, it's a investigation cost so it's you know it's not a fixed cost necessarily it's a it's a this is me investigating it and doing it and then obviously the fix that comes if there's a bug and it has to be fixed and the fix comes as um you know part of the service of that um but it gets fixed for everybody anyway so yeah it's it's not quite a bug fixing yeah. sort of bug troubleshooting sort of service it's more like an investigation try and work out what the problem is if i fix yeah. it along the way then that's that's a bonus for them really mm. yeah i guess it's tough isn't it because you know personally i think if you investigate an issue and it is down to a bug in your plugin. Like, I think it, as much as it probably might take two, three hours of your time to investigate that, I feel, I feel bad passing that cost on to the customer when it's essentially an issue in your plugin or in my plugin. Do you know what I mean? Oh, I see. Yeah, I, see, I do see what you mean. Um, yeah, a lot of the time that they've, they've hired me because, I mean, in the times that I have been hired, I've been hired because... Um, they haven't got the time to troubleshoot. So they're just essentially, um, uh, you know, off offloading that time cost of their own to somebody else and they're happy to pay for that. So I haven't really sure. had that as yeah. a problem. I do understand what you're saying though. Um, if it's the free plugin, um, then I have kind of a little bit less sympathy just because it was free anyway, you know, so they're kind of just paying for the service to help get them up and running or whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, if it's a paid thing, then usually the... Um, the refund for add-ons kind of goes down well enough but yeah I, I think when it, my experience again of people that want to pay for a service and I haven't sold lots of these you know hire me to troubleshoot your issue kind of um, things like I said it's not something I really yeah. make a song and a dance about but um, whenever I have done that it tends to be from companies that do have a bit more money to spend on things like support or that extra help that they need to get going and so you know um, 99 pounds isn't really a big cost for them in terms of the scale and the size of the project that they're working on so yeah but Fair if enough, anything yeah. changes or i or i make more of a fuss about it then I'll, I'll certainly um you know look to revise that I, I i take your point very much yeah i think my support issue at the moment is i i've not kind of i've not systemized the support for wp's manager and the kind of the uh, easily identifiable use cases of issues or like with my Instagram plugin I've got a diagnostic log that's built into the plugin where people can download it from the support tab in this plugin settings and send it to me and normally that highlights exactly what they've got configured in the plugin and why it's not working um, mm -hmm. but I haven't got that with WP user manager and I've, I've kind of taken to people in sending me the site health log that came in whatever version of WordPress 5.x, um, yeah. which sort of just shows at least what plugins they've got installed, which might, you know, be an indicator of potential clashes. Um, but yeah, I need to really 
add in at least either a dedicated diagnostic log or add a, a, a dedicated WP user manager section to the site health log, which then says, look, these are the pages they've got set up as the login form, the registration form. This is what they've got configured for emails, like blah, blah, blah. Because mm-hmm. um, at the moment, I feel like I'm just going, I'm firefighting issues and just and, and not approaching it from a very time efficient way. But at least it finds the bugs um, where possible. And obviously, these are paying customers. Like, it's not necessarily the free customers to, or the users of just of the free main plugin. Um, so it's difficult because I guess it, it, if you give a, a paying customer a very, very good experience with support and finding an issue on their site, then retention of licenses when it comes to renewal time is, is going to be improved, hopefully. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was interesting to see what you did. No, yeah, it's interesting what you say about building that in. Um, that's actually one of the biggest issues I have with um, plugin support in general is that no, no matter your question, even if it's like a, I've got this plugin and it's a problem, but it's not a, it's a problem because I can't work out how to set it up or something like that. How many plugin sites have you gone to to raise a support ticket and it says, can you post your system log or whatever, you know? Um, or, or, you know, you're, like you say, you're, your exported log of you know everything that you've got on your sites and you can identify an issue really quickly it's like it's not an issue with that it's not a comfort and that but they ask for it anyway and the amount of time it takes to actually download it or copy and paste it into a text document and then upload it and some people are like oh you have to put it in a like a gist or a you know like on pastebin or something it's like no i just want to ask you what buttons do i need to click to get to this <laughs> yeah and it's that's so frustrating so yeah if, if you do do that please make your form conditional that's all i can say based on what you're asking i I appreciate that as soon as you make these things conditional someone always tries to get around it but at the same time you know i think a lot most of the time people are pretty good with it all um it's definitely something i want to build into mine and i have investigated what i can add to site health um for bnfw for you know kind of troubleshooting things and it's things like i've got an admin notice at the moment and there's been lots of talk of scrapping not scrapping but you know consolidating admin notices and so on and i've got i put one up when you install uh bnfw but only on the bnfw screens that say if you're having trouble with email delivery read this doc and we recommend you know installing uh, well i always recommend post smtp email log which is um an all-in-one smtp plugin with an email log built in but that could easily be in site health and in fact i noticed that i think it was monster insights you know their google analytics Mm. plugin they put something in site health quite recently i think when it says that you're using the manually added like google tracking code as opposed to using the automatic mode which where it does like you know oauth to google and then pulls in a list of clients and you know so uh yeah there's there's a number of things you can do there so it's interesting what you say about using that maybe that's a better way forward a more wordpressy way forward than having your own system yeah i mean having some form of um general approach for plugins to do, to use the site health and those not just the diagnostic log in site health but actually as you say the, the issues that the site health raises about your your site install i think that's a really good idea um and it's definitely tied with the notices issue which i'm sure we talked about before how plugins just completely abuse the notifications and you log into client sites and you see like huge amounts of very large notifications that need to be dismissed. And actually, they could just be somewhere else or just on the plugin screen. Um, like the, the there's one, uh, the, the Yoast WordPress plugin, hmm. there's a notification that really bugs me um, that is like you've got an issue with your SEO. And the issue, the notification is that you haven't installed the pro version and it's like hang on what oh really that's not really an issue um and it's like not really dismissible either and yeah i think the more plugins conform to a framework would be a much better experience for the user like and actually saying that we weren't going to talk i wasn't going to talk about it or i hadn't even thought about it but have you seen that there's there's a new woocommerce um admin that's not out yet, but it's in development and they're looking for feedback and I'll post a, tw- uh, a, sh- a link in the show notes to um, the the blog post about it and the tweet because basically when you're in the WooCommerce, um, obviously it, 
it has items in the left hand sidebar it has woocommerce it has products it has analytics i think now um but when you click on any of that and you go to the woocommerce part it completely changes your wordpress admin like it looks different it has a th a wider sidebar a different design and you kind of have to exit back out of it um mm -hmm. And I was seeing some chatter on post-status Slack about it um, yesterday or last night, just about how, I guess, feelings around it, but also the worry that if every major plugin does this, you're going to have such a very, very disparate um, look in the WordPress admin and customers and users are going to be really at sea with how they have the experience of, of the UI and the user experience as well, because they'll go to WooCommerce and they'll get this big different pop-up, or not pop-up, but different area, and then they'll go to another plugin which does it differently. And mm. actually, somebody in Post Data Slack made a really, really good point. I think it was Stephen Cronin who works for Invato, that especially as WooCommerce are an automatic product, mm. they should be... Um, his point was that the effort should be put not into a into a a new WooCommerce admin, but into a framework that plugins can use to use um, to to give a new uh, um, UI admin UI for their plugin. But working within a new WordPress framework, so not everybody rolls their own and like makes it look different and just gives it a really really kind of like um, mixed up. Uh, look and feel between every other plugin like it just seems it seems crazy to to be going down that road just for woocommerce knowing yeah. that like other people will do different things but yeah yeah no i agree i mean you know when they were trialing the the new wp admin moving from what was it three to four i think um it was the feature plugin was mp6 i think mm. and you could install that and see what it was like and that was quite a good way to do it. I mean, you could you could take that kind of approach. I just wonder whether it's them trying a new sort of layout for, you know, large, quite heavy plugins with lots of setting screens and stuff like that. And they're trialing it on the largest kind of asset they have, which is, um, outside, you know, outside of the WordPress core, which is WooCommerce. Um, and if that works well, because it's an automatic company and it's installed on, you know, millions of websites, then they can, you know, almost backtrack a bit and roll it into WordPress and strip it out of WooCommerce, you know? So it's almost mm -hmm. like a, I don't know, yeah, like you say, it kind of feels like a bit of a test bed for if they if they think this could work and maybe they will roll it out to all plugins, um, you know, or, or the whole WordPress admin in the, in the future um, and create a framework for it. It'd be nice, but at the same time, I'm not holding my breath for the framework aspect. I mean, I think there's some really exciting things and interesting clever things that you can do with admin um, backends and frameworks and stuff like that you know giving people the the ability to say create graphs for example you know in the wp admin easily using some core features um, most likely going to be you know all um uh react based stuff you know like mm -hmm. what they're doing with gutenberg and everything but if they provided the abilities to do that that would be really really interesting because then anything can be integrated into it you know you want to create a dashboard that really looks like a dashboard you can do it in, in wordpress rather than creating your own thing and putting it into a wordpress admin screen you know yeah but yeah not holding my breath for it just yet no. but i haven't seen uh the new woocommerce um back end um, I saw it a little while ago when they had already updated it and um, made it a bit different. Um, and I think actually the most recent version of ACF, I think, has utilized a similar kind of admin layout, which I like, actually. It's it's more streamlined. It looks more minimalist and sort of slim, and it looks good, but I haven't looked too far into the new WooCommerce stuff yet, no. No. No, I need to, I'll need to dig into that a bit more, I think. But, yeah. Anyway, I guess that was a good point to wrap it up. If you, unless you wanted to cover anything else, Jack, good to chat. No, I don't think so. Um, it's been really nice actually um, chatting. I think we took a week off last week, didn't we? Just because of you know various things, work and laptop and so on. But it's been really mm -hmm. nice chatting about things that aren't all specifically WordPress as well. Um, every once in a while, because yeah. um, you know it just is. Things happen outside of that. Um, 
I I don't know if I don't the only thing I wanted to say to loop back round onto like the Linux discussion that we had earlier and everything was that it what is prompted me to look into more cross-platform applications, and I think that's quite a, a useful one for things like um, WordPress development, because WordPress development specifically is done, you know, obviously on all kinds of machines. I mean, there there are a number of people that work for Automatic that I know use Linux. Uh, others will use Mac and Windows, but yeah, finding finding solutions that work across all three has been quite an interesting thing. Um, you know, the the crossover between Mac and Linux is quite small, um, and obviously there's uh, there's some Windows specific apps and there's some Mac specific apps, and there are some that do Mac and um, Windows, but there aren't always ones that do Mac, Windows, and Linux. So it's finding those ones that actually you know, work quite well. Um, and there's some really good stuff out there, actually. There's some really good things. Like, I've been relying on some Mac-specific apps that I really don't need. I, I could get away with the uh, a free or cheaper and better alternative that's cross-platform. And I would encourage anyone to just investigate their apps and look for alternatives that are cross-platform. Because if you're handing your client site over somebody else or development over to you know you like me you work with a developer who i'm fairly sure uses windows um then having the same tool set across all environments is actually fairly beneficial so um yeah just something i wanted to add nice good stuff well, yeah yeah thanks for having a chat jack and thanks for listening as always and if you would like to leave us a review uh, you can do that at pressingmatters.fm forward slash review and I guess we'll catch you next time Jack yeah sounds good look forward to it speak to you again soon